you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Fantasy freaks and geeks, what's up? You're listening to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. James Coe here with you. We got my guy, MG, Marcus Grant in the building. What's going on? Where's the sun? Have we started June gloom early here? We have. Well, I mean, June gloom not starts early. in like 12 hours, man. It's not that early. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, been that like, early. it's been gloomy for like the last couple days. This is know? like the Black Friday sale starting on Thursday at 6. <laughs> June gloom. And I'm, against, and I'm against that, too. A little bit of drizzling if, here. If I were, if I actually LA were area. running for president, part of my platform would be you could not advertise for Christmas until actually after Thanksgiving. That's not bad. That's I. I would vote for you on that. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've seen Christmas stuff in a Target in September. Yeah, oh no, yeah, it's insane. It's like they bypass Halloween and Thanksgiving. I'm all about true. celebrating the holidays in order. That's good. They're all very good holidays. They should all I, be. Celebrated. I agree with that. I agree with that, except Valentine's Day, which was a... It's a scam. It's a scam. Okay. We, <laughs> we got the whiskey from Wisconsin, Alex Gellar. What's up? Uh, well, I was thinking that your intro sounds so smooth that it would be great to transition into some type of sponsorship. Like, you're listening to the NFL Fantasy oh. Live podcast presented by... Presented by... No one. No one. But instead, we're here to serve up some hot holiday takes <laughs> on the order in which they should be... Promoted at stores and which ones are scams and not. <laughs> the Fantasy Maverick, one half of the Danger Zone tag team. We What's got going? Adam Rank. What's going on? What's happening? So am I not allowed to be excited for a movie? Because, like, well, Wonder Woman's coming out before episode oh, eight. Oh, God. So I can't, <laughs> I can't start go. thinking about episode oh, eight. Geez. Or can you, like, both think? And you know what if I want? You know what? I don't know. Uh, this might be a little bit of a spoiler alert. First of all, you, you are a job. Okay is busy around the holidays. So sometimes it's nice to pick off some, some Christmas gifts yeah. a little bit early. 
Well, look, you, Christmas, I'm sorry. I'm not buying the gifts. I'm what? not cutting out. You know what the thing? I was gonna the, say you're saying your Christmas gifts for people are yeah. like Christmas wreaths and decorations. <laughs> they might it be. Seems like kind of a, a suboptimal. You know, don't Christmas judge gift. me. <laughs> Whatever Merry I want to enjoy this season. Here's some Christmas here's lights. Re- here's don't tell re- me when I can celebrate <laughs> holidays. <laughs> your house is looking a little sparse. Here's a wreath. Have you Put never it up, done that for somebody? I get upset. Well, I get upset because our neighbors sometimes don't have enough holiday. You also Gear don't up. strike me as the guy that decorates your house or for by, the holidays. Or buys presents not, early. Have you not seen our... Casa de Rank? No, oh I have not God. seen God. Like, dude. You go you, crazy on it. Our Instagram will show you, like, there's lights from our house to the neighbor's house. I see. And back and forth. I see. So we, we actually give lights <laughs> to our neighbors because they're not <laughs> they're riding decorated the wave. enough. Like, you're ruining it. Yeah. Like, stop. Okay. Stop having, like, these, these like... Wow. These empty spots in our neighborhood. We really, NASA, hit, we really hit the soft spot here. I want NASA to know. The deep underbelly of Adam Rank. I did not realize that you were such a, a Christmas holiday decorations junkie. Not only that, I also do. I do have Christmas gifts for people. Like what, I will October? be, uh, you know, but they're usually for the nieces and nephews. Okay. Like uh, Why can't they be Halloween gifts? Because uh, we usually don't do gifts for Halloween. Okay. Uh, but one of my nieces, she has a birthday in April. It's passed, and I right. saw something at Disneyland. I'm like, Tasha would like this. So I bought it, and it's uh, sitting in the closet now. Fair she'll enough. Get it, she'll get it in uh, December. Fair enough. Enough holiday chatter here. We've got a great show lined up for you, the podcast listener. Today we're going to be breaking down the AFC West, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Broncos, and, of course, the L.A. Chargers. We're going to round out with a round of Daily Daps, but we start the show, as always, with your top headlines. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Whistles go. Woo! I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. watch the news because I'm a kid. So y'all need to have your kids, have your wife. We'll start in Washington, D.C. Just a year removed from being a hot sleeper, Matt Jones all of a sudden finds himself on the outs. In Washington, Jones is skipping OTAs and reportedly wants to be released or traded. It's rumored that Washington is shopping Matt Jones. Jones, the starter to start the year in 2016, got injured, lost the job to Fat Rob Kelly. Then the team drafted Samaje P. Ryan to go along with Kelly and the pass-catching specialist Chris Thompson. Alex Gelhar, I'll start with you. Is there a landing spot for Matt Jones anywhere? What does it mean for the Washington backfield? I mean, he wasn't going to factor into it anyways. So if there it's, is a landing spot out for there, out there for him, good for him. Isn't it crazy how fast it moves? I mean, yes and no. Like Jones, Jones's kind of rise was a little bit puzzling to me. I mean, first when he got drafted in the third round or whatever, never thought he was going to make it that high in the draft because right. of what he did at Florida. And then, like, even he had those couple good games, but I thought even the tape that he put out here and his efficiency and stuff and then the fumbles were all rather troublesome. So, like, I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, it's not like Jones went from having a Jordan Howard-type season to now being on the chopping block. He had, like, an okay run of a few games, mired in a lot of troubles, and now is finding his way out the door. By the way, MJD came out with a column giving us his take on all these veteran running back moves. We're talking about Marshawn Lynch to Oakland, yada, yada, yada. Remember, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew was a noted fantasy enthusiast as well as being an absolute beast. Or MJD? MJD. One of the guys on Fantasy Fantasy and Friends? Friends? Yes, sir. He's He's a, okay, good. Yes. So he clarified that he's still currently a fantasy. Oh, I user. see what you're saying. Uh, I see what you're saying. No, but I, I just want to point out the fact that he he wasn't a 
fantasy enthusiast once he got on the show. Oh, right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He was... He's been a long-time guy playing in fantasy for, I mean, forever, which is great. Which is it. And he was one of the st- first star players, really, to advertise the fact that he was so into fantasy football. That's true. So it's good. All right, so he wrote a column. Uh, you can find it on NFL.com. Has he written a column before? Does anyone know? Uh, I know he I wrote, know a, he wrote a fantasy column once he, for us. Yeah, he sent us in some stuff. I mean, okay. I think, I think he, he pops in every now and again with stuff for uh, Ali Bunpuri's original content team. Gotcha. But. All right, so he wrote a column for NFL.com. Uh, he talks about all these veteran running back moves. Uh, we'll get to a few. I'll, I'll let you read a few, but just a couple that I wanted to hit. How about LeGarrette Blunt? He's projecting that Leggy Blunt in Philadelphia, can run between 11 and 1,200 yards, rushing, okay, and 12 to 15 touchdowns. That's uh, that's hefty. That's an aggressive, the that's touchdowns aggressive seem, mark. The touchdowns seem a little aggressive. 1,100, 1,200, that's okay? Eh, even then. I, I think all of it is probably a little aggressive. But that's the thing. That's the running back mentality mm. is that MJD – won't listen to reason. And when you tell him, like, dude, he's not going there and he's not going to do that, he's like, bruh, he's – he's, and, you know, they it's like running back, like they always think that they overestimate not only themselves but how good all their contemporaries are as well. Okay. Like that guy's like he'll go – and I'm like, it's just not – he's just not going to get the opportunity to do that. They, I should have said that the yards seemed more aggressive because I, I could see a scenario where he ends up getting touched. 12. They get a lot of – a lot of opportunity, but that's then you're looking at a guy who has been pretty touchdown dependent, expecting him to go in there and get twelve. That's it's a risky thing. It, it seemed cool with the the Patriots because you knew that offense was going to be explosive, but even then you were kind of rolling the dice and you oh, wonder, sure. you wonder, you know, if Rob Gronkowski wasn't hurt for a long time, like would he have gotten as many that's a great red zone opportunities? And then I look at the Eagles and I'm like, well, who's going to be the guy who's when they get near? The goal line, like who is the other person outside of outside of Zach Ernst at the uh, at the end of the season? Uh, Alshon, yeah, Jeffrey, that's, that's the, Alshon, stop it! The, In the six uh, games he huge, plays next season. Oh come on, believe in Alshon. Why not? No, I, I wanted to. Okay, and he never really produced like he was supposed to. Okay. All right, fine. Uh, he also is projecting Danny Woodhead. He says Danny Woodhead. I, I figure you guys get a kick out of this one. Danny Woodhead, he says, is going to be Baltimore's new Ray Rice. 450 yards rushing, 500 receiving, so 950 total, seven touchdowns. Danny Woodhead in Baltimore, good projections, aggressive. What's I, I think the projection is fine, but that's Ray Rice never had a season like that. He always had a lot more production. All right. So like I don't I don't get the Ray Rice comparison, but I think Danny Woodhead. I mean that's kind of his his vein is he'll get you know. 800 to 1,000 total yards and find his way into the end zone a handful of times. All right. There you go. You guys excited about Danny Woodhead in Baltimore? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> How could you not be? How could you not be? Terrence West is there. Uh, actually, That's a, I kind of like Terrence West in that situation. I think Woodhead is fine. I think that San Diego found a really nice rhythm with him and, and a way to utilize him. I'm not sure that Baltimore is going to do the same. It's not like – if Mike McCoy had moved there, wait, he'd, Mike McCoy didn't go there, right? No, no Mike McCoy no. went back to Denver. Yes. yes. So I'm not expecting – so funny. Um, I'm not expecting him to have that kind of it's, – it's just – it's a dangerous game to be like, well, if he had this here, yeah. then that same production is going to have – like, that's – that's not the way it always works. So I'm I'm excited because I think he's going to help fill the role voided by Kyle Juszczyk, 
who left, and he had 49 targets there last year. I think he had 50-some the year before, even more. He's they, they like to throw to their backs in Baltimore. Joe Flacco has a history of doing that with Ray Rice. I mean, last year, Terrence West had over 40 targets. So did Kenneth Dixon. Well, that's the thing. It's like Terrence West can catch the ball as well. Yeah, he'll and then catch. when Kenny Dixon comes back. It wasn't. Gonna, it was never like Woodhead was the only back catching passes in San Diego and stuff too. He was. He literally was. <laughs> oh, he, sorry, my bad. He caught every pass. Every single one. Back. Right. I wonder too if they'll utilize him. You know, I, I, we're seeing this movement right uh, of of versatile running backs being moved into the slot. I wonder if they'll do that in Baltimore with I'm him sure, as well I'm because sure they don't really have that. a lot of pass catchers there. Well, they don't have. a – I don't feel like they without Steve Smith they don't have one of those designated guys that you would expect to run in the slot like Wallace Perriman. They can do a little bit of it there, but Woodhead would be a nice right mismatch with how quick he is in the short areas. That's what makes it at least a little bit more interesting for me if I were to spend a, a late-round flyer on Danny. Other, other, other question to ask yourself, yes, please. And, and this is sort of an unknown, is, I mean, we saw Dennis Pitta last year come back and have a decent season. Only had the two touchdowns, but seven... Weren't they both in one game? Over 700 yards receiving, had 120 targets. Um, you wonder, does he start to see more red zone targets, too, this year? Okay. That's yeah. an interesting thought. Dennis Pitta. Man. Talk about a guy coming off the scrap heap, man. Yeah. So there you go. All right, let's break down the AFC West. We'll start with the Chiefs. They went 12-4 and last year. We'll start in their backfield. Spencer Ware is the starter, we believe. Hmm. But there are some serious rumblings that rookie Kareem Hunt could challenge there. As a result, Ware has some pretty volatile value right now. Per Fantasy Pros, he's ranked anywhere between 27 and 110. That is a wide margin there. Marcus, where you got Spencer Ware? Uh, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think we'll, what we saw out of Spencer Ware last year is kind of what we're going to get. Um, it's just, for me... He's still a young guy. He's still a young guy. Just for me, the, the Chiefs offense does nothing to move the needle. Okay. Just in general. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just bland. Uh, I do like the way Andy Reid uses his running back, so I guess there's that. Um, but... You know, I mean, I think you'll see Spencer Ware probably around 900 or so yards. You know, if he can get you, you know, five or six touchdowns, I think that's that's kind of what you're looking for. I mean, I think, but I, I just don't know that there's much else there available in what is a generally play it safe, uh, you know, stay conservative, just try not to lose the ball game sort of offense at the Chiefs. So are. not great upside you're seeing with Spencer Ware. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Pretty much. I mean, I think he, he is what he is uh, at this point. And so you're, if you're getting him as an RB2, um, great. Enjoy it. I guess he probably, I don't know, I guess in this new world era where I am just, you know, so sad about the death of running backs, I guess he's, <laughs> I guess he's a fringe RB1 now, but. He fits your narrative, pal. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there you go. Pretty much. Uh, can you talk to me about Kareem Hunt? Uh, other than I love him. That's what I'm saying. I know you love him. I talk do. to me about Kareem Hunt. Uh, I mean, look, he's going to, I think he will eventually surpass Shark Char- Hendrick West. I think it could happen even by week one or certainly early Say, in the I season. I think he already I did. Think he already has. Um, <laughs> Hey, look, man. I'm not. I'm not putting a lot of stock into some of these OTA reports. Like, okay. whatever. We'll wait till we get to training camp to kind of put more stock into it. But I think, you know, certainly early in the season, he can surpass Sharkandrick West. I don't. I don't think he's going to get Spencer Ware just yet. But okay. I, just, I love everything he does, and I think he's a great fit for an Andy Reid offense. Tyreek Hill broke through big time last year. The wide receiver 15. The wide receiver 15 last year. It's crazy. 267 rush yards. 593 receiving yards. He had nine total scores. I feel like he had one more, actually, that I'm missing here. A special team. Well, teamers. I mean, doesn't – yeah, it doesn't count. I think he had a couple special team touchdowns, but those those don't count for standard fantasy scoring. Okay. Depend, well, on our side it doesn't, but I think on other sides it does. But Most most, uh, most of them don't count it in standard, I'm okay. pretty sure. All right, there you go. Double-digit scores in seven 
of his final 11 weeks. He was actually pretty darn consistent, all things considered, considering this guy was picked up off the waiver wire. By the way, for the record, he had three touchdowns on returns. Two Did on he really? Two on punts, one on a kick. Wow. Wow. Alex Gelhar, one-year wonder for Tyreek Hill, or is he legit? No, I don't think he's a one-year wonder at all. I thought it would, the Tavon Austin comparison was interesting. Um, and you're speaking to Tavon Austin's 2015 season right. where he was the wide receiver 25, which prompted our very own Marcus Grant to write a heartfelt missive about why Tavon Austin could be a sleeper last year. Uh, why you got to bring up old stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just painting the picture of the history of Tavon Austin here. Um but I think the big difference is that Hill was used a lot more as a rookie, and Austin was a couple years into the league in 2015 yeah. as a traditional wide receiver than Austin was. In that 2015 season, Austin only play, played about uh, 72% of his snaps out wide. They That's dropped since then. He only played like 40-some last year. Hill played 52% of his snaps out wide as a rookie, and, almost, and even though he played fewer than Austin, had almost as many yards, uh, more touchdowns, and a higher yards per catch working outside as a traditional wide receiver. On top of that, Austin had way more yards come from his rushing totals that year. He had 47.9% of his fantasy points came from rushing. Only 32% came from Hill this past Interesting. year. Okay. He's got he's got some nice ability as a receiver out there. He can gain some separation also because he's freakishly fast. Yeah. So I don't think he's a one-hit wonder. I think right now he's being relatively appropriately valued, kind of in that wide receiver three flex range because – Macklin's coming back. He was just rabid. And wasn't that one of the big storylines last year that Macklin was gone and all of a sudden we saw Tyreek Hill emerge? He was ravaged with injuries last year, was not effective at all, and Tyreek Hill came in. Travis Kelsey's still there, became a bigger focal point of the offense. And as Marcus said, this isn't an, <laughs> this isn't a unit that you know, is like the Saints and is going to pass it a bunch or light up the scoreboard on a regular basis. So Still got Alex Smith back there. So touchdowns, could, the, touchdowns yeah. could be harder to come by, but I think Hill would be the type of guy that could at least offer – a safe-ish yardage floor and have the potential for those like weak winning performances. If he's in your flex, I think you got to feel pretty good about that, no? Absolutely. Yeah, I like him there. All James, right. may I ask you a question about yes, Tyreek Hill? Please. Because this was uh, something that was raised on Twitter because we both were talking about Joe, Joe Mixon, Mixon. Yeah. not drafting him. And somebody tweeted us and they had a number of, do you avoid, and I don't think he was trying to be a sarcastic. He wasn't trolling he, us. Um but he was asking, do you not draft it? He had Larry Fitzgerald in there, which I didn't get. I didn't get that either. I'm like one of the greatest guys in the league. Right. Like I don't I don't know where I don't know how his name got into that mix. But Tyreek Hill definitely falls in there. Where do you do you pick him up? Is Tyreek Hill also you know, on I your think, do not draft list? I mean the the number one the number one thing for, for Joe Mixon is there is unbelievable evidence and, and the video. Right. So you could say, oh, well, you know, how are you judging a guy? Well, listen, man, I mean, if you're going into into the court of law and there is video of you doing something, it's game over. Yeah. Right. So, you know, am I giving Tyreek Hill the benefit of the doubt? Not really. So, I mean, obviously there's some question marks there, but I mean, I got to be honest with you. It's not like I read his court report. You know what I'm saying? Right. If the if the court report had pictures a la Greg Hardy, then, yeah, I'm not touching Tyreek Hill either. But I got to be honest with you. I didn't do the research on Tyreek Tyreek Hill's past, so that's kind of where I stand. And and like I said, if it's that egregious, like Joe Mixon, I mean, I think I don't he, feel that bad. Didn't about he it. punch his pregnant girlfriend? Who Tyreek Hill? Yeah. Is that, I don't. I mean, I think that was, was the allegation. Sure. That yeah. Was absolutely. The allegation. But I don't. Like I said, did I do research into that? I have no idea. I didn't do it. I know that those charges are out there. I just didn't do, you know my homework in, into into Tyreek Hill. That's all. 
So that's kind of where I stand. Look, if it was, like I said, if it was a la Greg Hardy, yeah. I, no. We saw videos. Yeah, man, saw. Uh, pictures or whatever. Like, and I, and you know, like I said, maybe it's on me because I didn't read the court report, but I just didn't. So that's kind of where I stand. All right, we'll get back to fantasy. How about Travis Kelsey? He's widely regarded as the tight end, too, ahead of Jordan Reed, ahead of Greg Olson, ranked in the 40s. Mm-hmm. He was the tight end one last year, which right. always surprises me, by the way, when I look at that. I'm like, Travis Kelsey was the tight end one last year. He had four touchdowns total, Adam Rank. Well, a part of it is because of the position. Nobody really was, was there to step up in that void left by Rob Gronkowski. Jordan right. Reed's battling injuries. The Panthers had kind of a down year, and Greg Olson is getting a little bit older. And now, as we move into 2017, he's going to be fighting players like Christian McCaffrey, and I think Curtis Samuel's going to get a lot of designed plays for him. So his his value could also take a, a bit of a tumble. Kelsey, to me, seems like the safest. And he got over 1,000 receiving yards, which to me is huge, which it shows he's a huge part of the offense. The touchdowns, it, it's kind of a wild card because you would hope that your tight end gets targeted a little bit more in the red zone. Right. And it's just not coming, but he's – he he's never a, he's a weird gets there though. He's a weird mix because he's more he's more wide receiver than he is tight end. Like it, like I, I I would like Mike Evans, somebody a player like that fits into that mold of like red zone target more than Travis Kelsey would. Or even like if you go back to Jimmy Graham during his heyday, like he was so big and tall, you had to throw him the football when you got near the goal line. Kelsey's not that dude, and I. I'm just saying this. I, I should have researched this, but I've been neck deep in some other stuff here at work, so I didn't. But I was like, I just have the perception that every one of Kelsey's four touchdowns was a catch and run somehow. Well, one of them was, and this is and this is and it's very. And I think that one stands out to me. Sure, it's an 80 yard catch and run. Yeah, that's what it was. It just feels like they're all broken catch and coverage. Runs. Broken coverage, 80 yard score. He's an athletic dude, and he makes plays. Right, but it doesn't seem like he he doesn't seem big enough to kind of work that to his advantage like a lot of other tight ends would yeah. do. Like so, Jason Witten can somehow get open. Uh, also, to provide context, he had seven targets inside the 10-yard line, one of which was a touchdown. Oh, he had 16 God, targets in the red zone, led the team uh, three touchdowns inside the 20. So of his of his four touchdowns, three, three of came them. inside the 20, one came inside the 10, and the fourth was that. But he's breaking those because – it's not like Alex Smith can throw 20 yards. <laughs> he's still, he's, How dare you? He's throwing a 10-yard He's yard still out. breaking it. Yeah, breaking he's still tackles, He's still breaking and making it. a move. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I, I just think at that value in the 40s, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, uh, Marcus and Alex, but I just feel like that's too high. of a, I'm not even saying that he's not necessarily going to be the tight end, too. I just think in the 40s, I, to take a tight end there in the forties, that's tough for me. But I'm you're taking, a, but you're taking a tight end that you know you can count on week after week. Which I is mean, can you though? He was a te, he was a te one. You're talking about him being a top three tight end right now. It's, I mean, he had six one hundred yard games last year. He's position, also been pretty consistent the two years prior. I think I think this was a taste of like I, I would you be surprised if Travis Kelsey, as talented as he is, ended up with, like, 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns next year if he broke a few more no, or actually targeted To be honest with you, I wouldn't. But here's the thing, though. Here's the tricky part for me. I think that there's going to be four or five guys in that 800 to 1,000-yard range that also pull in anywhere between, you know, six to eight touchdowns. 
So relative value wise, I just I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean it's a little rich for my bullet, but it's it's also the ceiling. Like I mean, Greg Olson's been a top like what three ranked tight end for the last several years. He's a guy that only ever gets a thousand yards and six touchdowns too. Yeah. So like I mean, it's it's safety, but with a ceiling. Like, who do you think – who has the higher ceiling this year, him or Greg Olson? It'd be Kelsey. Well, is it him or Jordan Reed? Well, yeah, Jordan Reed too, but – But Jordan Reed's going in the 60s. So that's that's kind of where I would – that's kind of where I would put Kelsey in that 60s rank. Yeah, I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I'd rather yeah. take him lower, but I can understand people taking him this high. All right, there you go. The Raiders at 12-4 and four last year. Obviously, they broke through in a big-time way from a team standpoint – uh, quarterback Derek Carr was a nice find as well before his injury. We hope he comes back and is slinging it. Marshawn Lynch, though, was the big storyline in the offseason. He had some town bidness to attend to, <laughs> playing for his hometown team now. Uh, former Raider MJD project, uh, projects Marshawn to go for 850 on the ground with 10 touchdowns. Rank you down with that projection. You know, there he goes breaking the narrative that I had uh, put out there for him, that MJD was going to overestimate what Marshawn Lynch was able to do. But I – believe he's being a little conservative on his yards uh, he's getting double digit touchdowns that's going to happen if Marshawn Lynch stays healthy and plays the majority of the year okay he's getting double digit touchdowns that offensive line is way too good so he's gonna he's gonna hit those marks I, I think that that Marshawn I think that's somebody I, I'm willing to go in on and I know that older running backs please don't take him play- in the fifth round no, 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 no. Please, I'll, no, take, him, I'll take him before the fifth round. <laughs> okay, like if, we're, if, we're, if I'm sitting there in the fourth round and I have okay, a, a choice between Travis Kelsey and Marshawn Lynch, I'm taking Lynch all day long. Absolutely, like yeah. he's you can count on him to score touchdowns. It, it would almost be impossible for him not to mm-hmm. to be healthy and to play most of the season. I'll say, listen, he's gonna he's a veteran. He'll probably get dinged up a game or here, but a, a prolific Raiders offense. That's going to give them every opportunity once they get inside the 10-yard line, and they're not going to make that mistake. They're not going to Pete Carroll him. (laughs) They're not going to try to get too fancy. They're going to Marshawn Lynch. True. All right. True, true. Uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree separated but just one fantasy point last year. Crabs with uh, 150 total fantasy points. Coop with 149. 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns for Michael Crabtree. 1,153 and five touchdowns. For Amari Cooper, despite this, Amari being ranked and taken about two rounds before Michael Crabtree. 20s versus the 40s, we're seeing Crabtree go. Marcus, at those prices, who do you prefer? It's Crabs all day. All day. All day long. All day. I mean, let's think about the the first two years that Amari Cooper has been in the NFL. He has been outperformed, fantasy-wise, by Michael Crabtree. True. you know, Crabtree gets a lot of those tough catches. He seems to be the guy, especially we saw earlier in the year, last year, that he was the guy like Derek Carr trusted on key third downs. He got a lot of looks in the red. Seth Roberts was was more productive in right? the red zone last year than Amari Cooper was. Weird. Um, you know, now you add to the fact that Marshawn Lynch is here, and he's going to be the guy who gets a lot of those short yardage goal line red zone carries, mm. which makes it even harder for Amari Cooper to get those looks in the red zone. So right now, I, look, and – I like Amari Cooper. I think he's a talented player, but if we're if we're talking about value and for the price, yeah. I would rather have Michael Crabtree. Alex, you you agree with that? I agree. We keep spinning this narrative and hoping that Amari Cooper could be more used in the red zone, but the simple fact of the matter is he hasn't, and he hasn't been very effective there. Over the last two years, Crabtree thirty four targets in the red zone, eight touchdowns. Cooper twenty targets in the red zone, two touchdowns. Seth Roberts twenty nine t- targets in the red zone. Nine touchdowns. More targets for Seth Roberts in the red zone? Then, yeah, than Cooper, and more touchdowns even than Crabtree. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> I think, you know, when it comes right. down to this, like, I, I understand, like, Amari Cooper was a big play specialist yeah. in college. We have seen him make big plays here. Yep. But being reliant on that is feels risky for a guy that we're drafting as, like, a low and you know, low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two. Yeah. I'd much rather wait around and get Crabtree. You know, considering they're probably like I could see Cooper hitting a few more of those big plays and outscoring Crabtree, but they're going to score close to the same amount of points, and I'd rather take the guy that's coming twenty picks later. Yeah, you're you're not wrong, and I think I think the valuation there for Amari Cooper is, is housed a lot in the fact that he's younger, right? He's entering his third season. Uh, he's so, great. He's super talented. Yeah. But I, I just think Crabtree makes more sense in fantasy. There you go. Uh, the Broncos, 9-7 and seven last year. C.J. Anderson missed the final nine games after tearing his meniscus. Didn't look that great even when he was healthy. He was okay. He was okay. He wasn't bad, but he was just okay. Meanwhile, Maurice Jones-Drew is projecting veteran Jamal Charles to go for 825 and 10 touchdowns. That's spicy for a dude who may not even be on the <laughs> roster. He's 50-50 to make the roster, according to Mike Kliss. From there in Nine News in Denver. But meanwhile, MJD says Jamal Charles, JC could go for 825 on the ground and 10 touchdowns. Alex Gelbar. Okay, I'm glad that he got back on the narrative again. <laughs> <laughs> he had a minor, minor step into reality, and then he had to jump back onto the crazy uh, Alex Gelhar, your thoughts on this entire backfield? I uh, am still a C.J. Anderson fan. I, I disagree from you a little bit in that he looked like just okay last year. He he played pretty well early. That offensive line was a disaster okay. for much of last Maybe year. Maybe that's what it was. And there were a number of games. I was actually just looking this back up because I remember my my father uh, angrily texting me uh, expletives over a frustrating game C.J. Anderson was having against the Chargers. It was yeah. not only not only were the Broncos struggling, but C.J. Anderson kept getting uh, – good runs called back on holds and stuff that weren't even he had like a couple 10 yarders a 15 yarder I think he even had a touchdown that would have like won them the game in the fourth quarter called back on a penalty so like all, all those things and only his seven games could have helped him out but okay I mean Booker didn't you know particularly uh apply himself very well when he was given the starting role Jamal Charles we said old coming off a ton of injuries like long shot to make the roster I think Anderson's gonna fall in drafts and if he can fall to the right spot it could be a nice value like he was on pace and hashtag on pace. Yeah, he'll become the new Mark Ingram for us. <laughs> but he was on pace for about a you know twelve to thirteen hundred yard total yard season and close to ten touchdowns. You'll take that all day long. Yes, Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas. I get sad thinking about these guys stuck there with Trevor Simeon and or Paxton Lynch next year. DT had ten eighty three through the air, five touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders ten thirty two receiving, five touchdowns, just two point seven points. Separated the pair last year. Despite that, Demarius Thomas is going around the fourth round in 10-team standard leagues. Sanders is going around round six. How to rank your thoughts there? I really like the McCoys going back there, though. And I Not think bad. that's going to bring some st- stability. Whoever they're going to end up going with, I think Trevor Simeon at times looked like a credible quarterback. They They have to fix the offensive line. That really... That's the hardest thing is when you have a quarterback trying to learn on the job and get better and progress, if that offensive line is not giving you time to get the receivers, the football, it's not going to work. So I, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I know um, sixth, fourth round for DT is way too early. I mean, I, I would agree. have to see how this shakes out, but I'm like, nope, I don't want any But he's in the best shape of his life, bro. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and Emmanuel Sanders in the sixth. Now you're starting to talk like, yeah, okay, I would rather go for that. If I had to pick between the two, I think that targeting Samuels 
Samuel. Samuel Sanders. Sanders. Uh, Emmanuel Tar- Sanders. Emmanuel, I, I got it. I yeah. just made him one word. I like just it. Just made it easier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would go with him in the sixth round because he's going to be a much better value. But I do think I am, am I wrong? I, I think Trevor Simeon can be pretty good. I think if you give him a chance, I, just, uh, okay. I, well, I think the issue ever is he, since okay, I think the issue you? is he may not get a chance. It may end up being Paxton Lynch. No, he's no, it's not. I mean, they. Spent I don't the know why I'm draft. saying that, but <laughs> I, know, I just think they, they spent the first round draft pick on Paxton Lynch. People forgetting here. that happens. Sometimes that happens. I mean, you got to give him at least a chance. No, I mean they didn't even give him a chance. Maybe not this year. I mean, it's up. Well, you know, and you bring in an offensive coordinator and a head coach who do not have a tie to Paxton Lynch. I mean, that's true. That's the one thing is that these guys can go in and say, you know what, I'm going to pick the quarterback that I think is the best, who's giving us the best opportunity to win. But neither one of these guys have any ties to him. And I think that Elway would understand, like, look, like, we don't care. Like, I'm sorry the loss of Gary. I think think the loss of Gary Kubiak, though, is going to be disastrous. I do. He's been so he's been so great working with quarterbacks, and now all of a sudden he's gone. They're they're learning a brand new system. I mean, it's a tough division. I just, oh man, I don't know. I, I I'm anticipating bad things, uh, for that Broncos offense this year. All right, the Chargers were five and eleven last year. Melvin Gordon was your RB eight after much hand wringing his rookie year. He actually played pretty well in his sophomore campaign. Nine ninety seven on the ground, four nineteen through the air. Basically 1,400 total yards, 12 total touchdowns. He was a stats beast, but Marcus, let me ask you this. Can he do it again? Because some of those efficiency metrics, man, they were scary. Just 3.9 yards per carry. I mean, I guess I would be more worried if there was somebody who's going to take touches away from him. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I know people. I, I've seen it on Twitter. That people are freaked out about the efficiency. And stuff. One, 3.9 isn't awful you know i mean i know everybody wants it to be above it's not four. everybody wants it to be above four right but let me let's let's think about this real okay. let's let's think about this in reality right right 3.9 yards per carry you run it three times you got a first down <laughs> i mean no for real like you run the ball three it only times works that way at three, no but i'm just saying if we're talking average because yeah. that's that's the, that's the freak out right because yeah. it's the average is 3.9 but if you're talking about averaging 3.9 yards every time you touch the ball you run it three times that's a first down you keep on marching down the field yeah well, there's, 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 there's the game plan just run it every time Hey, look, I've, I've met high school coaches who thought worse. So, you know, <laughs> so there's nobody that's going to come in and take touches from him. Okay. I mean, maybe, maybe the 10 touchdowns, the 10 rushing touchdowns may be tough, but what, you worried about Brandon Oliver? Olivier, <laughs> best shape of his life. So, yeah. I, mean, I feel I like know. you just made that up, by the way, Adam. No, Olivier, like they're talking big about him. Are they? Yeah, they're talking him up. Here in Los Angeles. I was about to say down in San Diego. <laughs> no, it's, it is down in San Diego because that's where they're practicing. Yeah, that's where they're practicing. Because they haven't had their uh, their, uh, their facility up and running yet because they probably didn't think that through. Dude, I'm just thinking <laughs> Melvin Gordon regression. Okay. Because uh, Wikipedia defines regression <laughs> as this Wisconsin running back's not going to oh, do it again. Oh, my right. here's, God. Here's my, my thing on Melvin Gordon. Yes. he Yes, the efficiency was bad last year. <laughs> okay. But his offensive line was – Man was like mangled oh and shuffled God. up. Yeah, so bad. There was a deficiency in the passing game because everybody was injured, and Philip Rivers fell apart down the stretch. So you look at the fact that he still almost put up a thousand yards, ten touchdowns, and just shy of four yards a carry in that disastrous situation. You come back now okay. with, with a fully loaded offense that should have more scoring opportunities. I'll buy that has a better correlation with like a running back success than. "Quote unquote efficiency metrics," right, but isn't that. but that but the efficiency metrics shows that he shouldn't have been as productive 
as he was, which means that those numbers are especially gonna slide, the touchdowns. They're going to slide back down. It's like because that's how like with baseball metrics, you always look at it like, well, this guy's got 12 home runs, but his metrics show that he's going to regress. And then they, you see in the second half of the season, he has. Well, I know this because I used to have Mike Trumbo all the time and on my fantasy team. So I, I would know. And that's why like these guys are streaky and everything like that. And it could be a situation where Gordon outperformed what his metrics tell you he should be performing and that he will go back to being the running back that he was as a rookie. I mean, which which ones which which metrics indicated that he shouldn't have been as successful though? I mean, he saw 71 opportunities in the red zone. Like they gave him the ball plenty there and he scored he scored 12 times. Yeah, like, but couldn't they argue yards, yards per carry isn't that indicative of future or negative fantasy success. Yeah, but if he's not that effective as a runner, that means that he could be shut down in those red zone opportunities. And now you're you're depending on him to reach that 12 touchdown mark that he probably just doesn't have the ability to get to. That's kind of where I would w- worry too. I don't know if he's going to get those double digit touchdowns next year. Maybe maybe not. Double digit touchdowns is hard to repeat. But I mean right. if we're saying that because he wasn't that effective, he's going to score less even though he wasn't effective and he still scored 12 touchdowns, I don't quite follow the logic in that in that sentence. Well, why, are you, why are you trying to take the few running backs we still have <laughs> left away from? Dude's going to be a workhorse. Like it's not going to, but he's outperforming <laughs> what he's actually doing. That, I, I think that's, I think that's fair. I think that's, I, I think that's the point, right? That if you look at, uh, in look. it's why it's like, why Aaron Rodgers, okay, Aaron Rodgers was successful on four hail marys last year. So why doesn't he go back and do that every play? Why not? It's like because, I, I don't know. He probably should, <laughs> but it's like because well, that's not always going to work. And so, Gordon was able to outperform. It's a great analogy. His what the numbers what? say we're he referring should be doing. to one high variance play versus like a, a running back and all these plays i don't think that's a great analogy they're two no, different, I think they're two different things no i think it's well, i don't know how you're I, I don't know other how else to explain it is that he's outperforming his metrics which over the course of a career would mean that he's going to come back to the running back that he is i mean the nfl has prime examples and if i would have thought this through enough i would have gone through and looked them up of <laughs> players who have one season where they outperform their numbers, you know, where they outperform what their metrics will tell you what they should be doing. And this was a mad, this was a magical circumstance for Gordon to go out there and get double-digit touchdowns, and then going forward, he's going to go back to being an eight-touchdown type of back. Right. I'm, so, I'm not. I'm not sitting here defending that he's going to get twelve every time. I just think like that's going to happen. Like he's going to touch touchdowns or fluctuate. They if, are one. Of, they are like the hardest thing to predict. If I'm understanding you NFL. correctly, though, Alex, what you what you are arguing though is that. His situation is likely to improve, which right. would help his metrics improve as yes. well. We also don't know if this is an outlier. His his rookie year, you know, he was he was banged up. There were also a lot of things like uh, he was I think terrible as rookie. He, year. he also looked significantly better, even in just how he ran and he how did. he powered through last You're year. Right. So I, I I just think it's foolish. Some growth to just, potential. Yeah, a little bit more health like, on the offensive obviously. line. Right, so so then James, who would you rather have? Yes, Melvin Gordon or Jay Ajayi? Jay Ajayi. Well, that well, it depends where you're going to have to draft him because, like, Melvin Gordon is now. They have a being similar price, about. don't they? I don't think they're similar, but I, I mean, if, but if if we're worried about you like know Melvin Gordon and if it, like Jay Ajayi had three 200 yard games last year, <laughs> which yeah. completely okay. throws everything out of whack with. Okay, him. all right. Yeah, but I think the more the argument for Melvin Gordon should be: Would you rather have Melvin Gordon or Lashawn McCoy, Mike Evans, AJ Green? 
Jordan Howard. Is that where he's being Devontae, right now? Yeah, he's the I'd mid-teens. Take, I'd take Melvin Gordon 100 out of 100 times over Jordan Howard. I don't know. Jordan Howard, BSOHL. I saw he slimmed down. People are excited. Give me, give me the running back on the good of offense life. that's going to score a lot of points. Not the one, I was trying not to, the I, one led by Mike Glennon slash Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, yeah. I just I gave that silent pause because I had to think about that for a second. But you know what? I wouldn't. Wait, his even, offense. I but his off, his offensive. <clears throat> wait a minute. His offensive line is way better. He's going to get more opportunity. Whose offensive he, line is way better? The Bears. Oh, okay. Especially the interior. Yeah, where it really counts. Although they're coming in banged up too, though. No, They've f- got Josh Sitton's another year older and missed a bunch of games still Kyle last Long, year. How long? Still recovering? I don't know. Anyways, whatever. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about, I don't know. How, wow, we went down a crazy <laughs> Melvin Gordon rabbit hole. Uh, well, because, Allen is well, because he's it. going in the first round. That's why. Like, this is going to be a Todd Gurley type of situation. For Melvin wow. Gordon? Yeah. Okay. Wow. We need a write-up. We need a write-up. That's a uh, – Let's that's make big. it happen. Okay. Uh, Adam Reich is going to get you this write-up. I'm telling you. It's what? Story. Yes, that's right. You're going to get, get in it. line. Uh, The team gets a healthy Keenan Allen back, theoretically anyways. He blew out his ACL last year. Uh, They add Clemson big play receiver Mike Williams into the mix with Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin. Rank, tell us why you're so high on Mike Williams. I feel the Chargers are going to have to throw the ball more than anything, and I still think that they have some concerns, especially with Keenan Allen, who's battled injuries throughout his entire career. And so at some point – Mike Williams is going to be the, the go-to guy. Receiver. He, yeah, he he really is, and I I pause because you know I don't want to get too locked up into what he was able to do at Clemson. But you see a guy out there, and and I I guess you could have said this about Laquan Treadwell, like how good he looked. But God, Mike Williams just looks so great at Clemson, and I think that the Chargers taking him in that seven spot when everybody was saying like they're. You know, because people were giving me grief for saying that they were going to take Christian McCaffrey. But they're like, there's no way. They're drafting defense automatic. And for them to have a serious need in the defensive secondary, and they still went with Mike Williams. Yeah, me. I was surprised by they that. Were, they might not believe in Keenan Allen. Mm. They might want to have a little bit of insurance. And Tyrell Williams was fine. fine. Like He was good. Like yeah. he, was, oh, yeah, he was serviceable. Mm-hmm. But when you take a serviceable player like that and try to make him a number one receiver, doesn't go it well. doesn't always work. Like right. Marvin Jones last year. So I think that if Mike Williams can come in, and I think having Keenan Allen there for as long as he can be on the field will only benefit him. And I think Travis Benjamin is a is a good fit for that offense too, not necessarily the best fantasy fit. But I think Mike yeah. Williams can step in and be productive right away. I love what he does in conjunction with what Phillip Rivers does too, right? Because Phillip Rivers loves to sit back there and look for the big play. Yeah. And Mike Williams is one of the best big play receivers out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he, and he already has that chemistry with big body receivers all throughout his entire career, right? Yeah, so, he's such a perfect Chargers receiver. Like I love Once it. they made that I love move, it. you're like, oh, I should have thought of that. <laughs> I got enamored with the Woodhead McCaffrey type thing, but you're like, oh, I see it now. Like, ah, oh, that was a pretty good pick for them. Alex Gilhart, give me your take on Keenan Allen and Tyrell Williams. I think I think you're right, Rank, that uh, Mike Williams probably is a little bit of Keenan Allen insurance. Like, worst case scenario, if Allen's injuries continue to catch up with him, they have a new guy who can step in and be the number one. Best case scenario, Allen stays healthy, and now they're just loaded, loaded. at wide receiver to make uh, make a Super Bowl run before Phillip Rivers hangs him up. So I think Allen is still – he's never going to push the, like – absurd number of catch pace or whatever he was on before he got injured, especially with all these guys here now. But I think he's still a good yeah, What value. was he on pace for, like 140 receptions? Something, something outrageous. Oh, something outrageous. <laughs> but I oh, still man. think he's going to be a, a, a solid guy. He's probably going to be Phillip Rivers' go-to, at okay. least for now. 
Um, and he's appropriately valued in like the th- middle of the third round or wherever he's going because of his injuries. Okay. Uh, as for Tyrell Williams, I think he's totally worth taking a late round stab at. Like I was looking at his ADP currently. Uh, in where's he going? In MFL's twelve uh, team leagues, he's going in the ninth round. He and Mike Williams, interestingly, are going on average at pick one twelve and then pick one thirteen. Really? Uh, on Fantasy Football Calculator. Tyrell's going uh, four rounds later than Mike Williams. Hmm. So, because uh, the MFLs are typically a little more like sharp drafters I yeah. think, than uh, fantasy football calculator right. later, which is a little more casual. Yep. So, I think Williams is certainly worth a stab. Like, I mean, we don't know Keenan Allen's health. We don't quite yet know how Mike Williams is going to transition to the NFL. It's worth a shot. Worst case scenario, you cut him. Best case scenario, you might have like a matchup-based flex guy. I like that. In, in like games that, that figure to be shootouts and things like that. All right, there's also reports that Hunter Henry will be the, quote, main tight end next year, but that Antonio Gates will still be mixed in on third downs and in red zone situations. This sounds like a tight end buying committee situation there in San Diego. I don't know. I, I know a lot of folks were very high on Hunter Henry going into 2017. Like me. I think these reports, though, it makes me dampen at least the touchdown upside for Hunter Henry. And if we're talking about touchdown upside for a tight end, oh, man, that makes it tough. All right, we move on. All right, open floor. Right, real quick before we leave San Diego, I had accidentally had a separate year clicked. Uh, Gordon had 58 opportunities in the red zone last year. I said a higher number before. That said 71. Yeah. 71. All right, open floor. Give me a fancy storyline very quickly that I'm missing in the AFC West. We'll start with you, MG, my guy, Marcus Grant. Uh, I mean, I think going back to Denver and their quarterback situation, I mean, I think that that's Good going call. to be interesting there. I mean, yeah, Simeon obviously comes in as the incumbent, but the early scuttlebutt out of Denver is that, you know, they're going to give Paxton Lynch every opportunity to try to be the starting quarterback this year. And I think you know, that changes the way the offense works. I think it, it suddenly turns into, you know, Lynch seems to be a little bit more of a freewheeling guy, a guy who's going to you know try to make plays with his legs, at least extend plays yep. with his legs, get out of the pocket and go downfield. So, you know, the Broncos, I think, have been very adept at running that bubble screen, that wide receiver screen, and, and letting guys like Sanders and Thomas take it the rest of the way. But this could be a thing where maybe you start to see those guys as more downfield threats, which we know they can be if Lynch decides he wants to – if Lynch ends up being the quarterback and decides he wants to just kind of air it out occasionally. Alex Gilhar, storyline in the AFC West. We touched on it briefly talking about Tyreek Hill, but the return of Jeremy Macklin. If he is fully healthy, what's, of the Mac. what's – oh, there we go. I didn't even, didn't even put that stupid of me. Wow. <laughs> uh, this is a guy that in 2015 had 124 targets, 87 catches – uh, over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns in this Alex Smith-led offense. How is this going to break down with Travis Kelsey? They finally started using him like a featured weapon. He should be last year. Is that going to change? Interesting. Is, are Macklin and Hill going to vulture each other? Is this offense suddenly going to take flight and actually score more touchdowns with Alex Smith under center? That would be crazy. Would be crazy. A lot of that would be lot crazy. A lot of question marks, but we cannot forget about Jeremy Macklin. This is a good player who's commanded a lot of volume in the past and one injury-ravaged situation isn't likely to change that for good. Adam Rank, storyline in the AFC West. Phillip Rivers being an undervalued fantasy quarterback, I think oh, that... Good good calls all around here, people. Like every year. Like the guy... Last year, he was a little bit banged up and things kind of got away from them. He but was great to start the year, though. Like, yeah. He was he was crushing it. He was crushing it, but he but then he got crushed. Yes. Got you crushed. know what I mean? He threw too many interceptions. Oh, God. And he's not going to do that again. I don't think he's going to be in situations because a lot of times... He was pressing. He was trying to make plays. He was trying to see something that wasn't there, but I don't think that's going to be a problem this year. I think with the bevy 
of wide receivers at his disposal, and I really do believe that Hunter Henry is going to step up. I how many how many touchdowns is Antonio Gates away from the record? Just a couple. It's not many. I think it might. He must have by like what three last year or something. Yeah, just get him his GD record already, right? And, and then, then let and him then, go, and then, and then we can go back to Hunter Henry, <laughs> and it'll be over. I agree a hundred percent with that. <laughs> All right, there you go. All right, let's close out your show with a round of daily daps. Extra, extra, read all about it. This is the day. Daps and hooks. Give me daps, cause I be scribbling right. Give me dabbing up daps about daps. Daps and <laughs> All right, we'll start with MJ, my guy, Marcus Grant, Daily Daps. Uh, I'm daily dapping whoever is running the RC Cola Twitter account because they, they have a Twitter account. Believe it or not, right? I mean, beautiful. I mean, I don't think anybody. Well, we drinks... know about it now because of this tweet. <laughs> I don't think anybody drinks RC Cola like outside of the state of Texas. But you know, hey, um, they've been coming for folks today. I mean, it all started obviously. There was the Kofefe, uh, you know, trend sure. last night after you know the president, you know, sent out a typo or a weird tweet or whatever. Uh, and so doesn't that look like every drunk tweet you ever pretty much ever that you <laughs> ever sent that you ever sent like you know you tweet and then you pass out and in yeah, the morning you're, you're like, like oh, oh that's such a good crap. tweet or a text and then you go to bed and you wake up and you've got you got all these responses you're like oh man. I want to know worse. how in the hell how did that not get auto corrected uh, who knows it was late East Coast time <laughs> who knows like one o'clock ish that so, it went out. So RC Cola made a joke, like pretty much everybody else on Twitter, about it. Uh, a couple of people tried to, you know, give them a hard time. At which point they uh, they responded back with a couple of very snarky and outstanding memes. Um, I'm not gonna buy any RC Cola. Like, don't get it twisted. <laughs> but uh, whoever whoever's running the account, like, kudos to you. Good. Uh, and un- I'm undapping. All the OTA practice reports and all the OTA chatter. Amen. That's on Twitter. You Amen. Know? Like this morning when we I got see nothing else to do, man. Come on. There are plenty of other things in this world going on right now that don't involve me going gaga over Kelvin Benjamin in shorts making a half-assed one-handed catch with nobody near him. Like, let's stop. You know, everybody is great on May 31st. Everybody's going to have an amazing season, except apparently Ryan Tannehill, who apparently stinks in practice right now. But, That's like, we're sitting here, everybody's going just nuts over these, like, little reports of teams in shells not really going full steam, and everybody's talking about how great everybody is. Yeah, people are still stretching their legs. Let's just, I mean, it's crazy. Let's stop. Let's just stop. Hey, look, these beat reporters, they need to work, man. They need to get some stuff. What, what, what's the excuse? <laughs> they need to create some content, What's man. the excuse for the non-beat reporters in fantasy <laughs> Twitter that just is, like, eating up every single I gift they see? I don't know. I don't know. Stop it. They need a side Because they're addicts, and yes. this is their first hit of the year, man. People, That's right. People stop taking an interest in things that pay us money. <laughs> yeah, how dare you? How dare Wait. you? Stop uh, paying attention to football. Don't download fantasy. Wait, what am I saying? Wait a second. Okay. <laughs> Alex Gelhar, Daily Daps. Uh... Daily undaps for me okay. to all of the people, mostly men, uh, 99.9% men, who are up in arms over yeah. the few female-only Wonder Woman screenings taking place across America during the opening weekend. Is this a thing? This is yes. This is a thing? There was a this bunch of, of bull****, and I'll bleep that later, outrage by crybaby men <laughs> like, this is an equality, it goes both ways. Shut the hell up and get what? over yourself. If you're upset over... Like one random female-only Wonder Woman screening. She's an iconic, she's a feminist icon, yeah. one of the most iconic like superheroines in a predominantly male-dominated on the the writing, art, and character side. Get over yourself. It is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, and I cannot believe people are so up in arms about it. What? It is ridiculous. 
ridiculous. Why they are not you... banning you from seeing the movie. Exactly. They are do they are celebrating women with a few showings on opening <laughs> night. Guess what? There's more than one theater in your city. Or drive 20 miles. It is one of the stupidest things I've seen in 2017, which is saying a lot because it's 2017. I'm getting more heated about it over here, so that's basically all I'm going to say. Wow, that's but if crazy. you're listening to this podcast and you were upset or thought that was a some in, in inequality or injustice, pause this podcast, go sit outside, and <laughs> rethink your life and your priorities. And well, rant. Here's my question. And the, and the person who is kind of, or one of the people who is the most butthurt, responded that we should have a guys-only guys only viewing of Star, Star Wars. Wars. And this was the same guy who wanted to boycott Star Wars ep- or uh, Rogue One. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Same have person. The, have the last guys only 1900 approximately years not been enough for you? <laughs> hey, guess what? Uh, just, how, how about we get rid of the guys only committee to design our own health care? That would be useful. We <laughs> could get rid of that. I guess my question is how how out of it do you have to be? How much how little do you have to have going on in your life? That A, you would be upset by it, and then B, you would actually go and do something about it. There are think pieces written about do it. You know what people, I'm saying? People trying to like make come up and sh- protest this, or like buying tickets anyways and going to make a big stink. Like, get get over yourself. Go to a different theater. That's I don't know. Crazy. Get all fired up about a uh, gif of Calvin Benjamin making a one-handed catch on the internet. <laughs> Please <laughs> send out some more bad Fifi <laughs> tweets. Do anything. <laughs> Like I said, I, I always wonder about Who's threatened that. threatened by that? I, I always wonder, like, you really have to have nothing else going on in your life that you would actually care that much to go and do something. How would this about? offend you either? It's just, it's a simple, innocuous thing, empowering women and getting them together to celebrate something. People what? are weird. People are crazy. So I, I never, I never blame, I, well, I do blame thoughts, but I mean, you know, I, you know, it's hard to be the thought police, but man, I tell you what, if you're actually like mobilizing yourself and doing and getting all worked up. That is just come on now, come <laughs> on, bro. You should be embarrassed. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, it is come on, dude. Go, 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 go to the golf range. Go hang out. I don't know. Go crack a beer. Do something. Golf. That's perfect. Golf. There you go. Like somebody. Yeah. Somebody. Perfect. Like Augusta. It. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I will daily dap the Huntington Library in Pasadena. Have you guys been? I have. It's it's fantastic. It is amazing. I have not been to that. Li- libra- I don't. Library is that. sort of a misnomer because it's there aren't a ton a of books. Total misnomer. But uh, it's a great. It's it's a public gardens and uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. But I've been to the one in Huntington Beach though. That's not. The that's same. a different. The one that's, a, that's a different Huntington Library. It's not the same. And actually, the name is like a double misnomer because it's the Huntington Library. It's in San Marino. <laughs> So it's not in Huntington. So what you're or saying, whatever, or Huntington right. Park. This is a bunch of lies. But and it's really not a library either. It's not a library. I mean, it's like a walking museum. That's it, pretty cool. It's really cool. Uh, anyways, I went there. I was expecting a library, and uh, I got whatever it is. Were you going to really check cool. out like Red Badge of Courage or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, anyways, where's but, a copy of Fahrenheit 451? Oh man. Uh, by the way, they they do have an exhibit there for a science fiction writer by the name of Octavia Butler. Um, and I got to be honest with you, I wasn't totally, fa- I had heard the name, I'm not that familiar with her work, but she's won so many awards in the science fiction uh, industry. And, and, and this is the thing. Science fiction is an art dominated by male writers. This all ties in with what Alex Gilhar is saying, but uh, it's dominated by male writers, and not only that, it's dominated by Caucasian male writers. This is an African-American woman who is a best-selling author in a genre dominated uh, by 
you know, Caucasian male. So, um, what? They- this is crap. Where's the Caucasian <laughs> male exhibit? I'm gonna get mad online and write a think piece. Rabble, rabble, rabble. They've got they've got this exhibit, and, and uh, it's got some of you know some samples of her work. Uh, but this is what really struck out to me. On the back of her spiral notebook, okay, she was down on herself, and this is early in her career, so she would write inspirational things to herself. And on the back of this, on the back of this spiral-bound notebook that she wrote her notes in, she wrote herself these inspirational lines: "I shall be a best-selling writer. After Imago, each of my books will be on the bestsellers list of the L.A. Times, the New York Times, uh, and the Washington Post, etc." My novels will go in uh, onto the above list whether publishers push them hard or not. And she underlined that. Whether I'm paid a high advance fee or not. Whether I win another award or not. This is my life. I write best-selling novels. And, and to me, it's so inspirational seeing that stuff because you could tell this is a, a, a moment in her life where she was down on herself and she's extremely talented and she also understands the climate in which she writes in which is the science fiction industry which again doesn't see a lot of of, of folks like her in this industry so i don't know man i i i'll tweet out the link cuz you can see you know the notes that that she wrote for herself she also uh, wrote a, a bunch of different things about um you know i will buy uh this is by the way this is very apropos for the time but even back then this is back in i think like 19 like you know 1980 or something or 1975 or something right um she wrote uh i will help poor black youngsters go to college i will hire a car whenever i want or need to uh, what else did she write here? She wrote something about her mom. She wanted to buy health care for herself and for her mom. Oh, this is it. I will get the best of health care for my mother and myself. These were <laughs> inspirational goals that she had set for herself. But, man, I, I read this, and I was like, holy hell. I got to read some of this lady's books, man. Very inspirational. It's at the Huntington Library. If you're in the L.A. area, please go check it out. I'm going to tweet out a link anyways uh, of some of these notes uh, that you can find online as well. All right, Adam Rank, close us out. I am going to dap absolutely nothing because everything sucks. (laughs) What? (laughs) What are you talking about? You you usually come in with five or seven or ten different things. Nothing. Everything sucks. I don't. Because Mike Trout. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I feel like this is a setup. Busted to, his to thumb. I see. How Man. long is he out for? It long enough. Well, I mean, what he's going to miss. Well, he, he's, is, it, is it the ten day DL? He's I supposed mean, to miss six to eight weeks. Oh, that's a long time. That is a long time. That's pretty much the season. I mean, it's Trout, so he'll probably be back in two. But for most mortals, like this is ten. And you know what? I look. So I just hate everything now. Okay. Like nothing's fun. And it's although, and there's so many good things happening to me baseball wise. Because I, I just realized today, yes, uh, or excuse me, yesterday, that the uh, Dodgers are back in first place. Is it because the Dodgers are in first place? Are they really? They are back in first place. I, I literally, I don't, I know a lot of, I know a lot of Angel fans hate the Dodgers. I'm like, I'm indifferent to them. They're not oh, on TV. I, I, I don't go to their stadium. We don't know. That's like, sort of how I feel about the Angels. Like, I don't hate them. I'm just kind of indifferent to like, them. Until are, I start. in different, like, conferences. <laughs> it's just no like, problem. it doesn't matter. Like, like they, it's like. They run up on each other a few times a year. And right? like, whatever. I worked for the Dodgers, and I was still indifferent to them. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, but no, speaking of Dodgers, the, uh, the Corona High Panthers. Okay. We'll be at Dodger Stadium on Friday night playing for the CIF title. Oh, wow. Going up against. We beat uh, Phil Nevin's alma mater 
El Dorado. Now we're going up against Lindsay Soto's alma mater, the Bull, El, El Toro. Toro. El Toro. So okay. she hasn't been around. I haven't seen her on Total Access, so I don't know. I believe she is probably preparing to have another child. Is she? I, I, believe I, I didn't know. I think so. I she never that. told me personally, and I was <laughs> never going to ask. Never, never, never ask that question. <laughs> All right, so when, there you go. Oh, and I also went to oh. Cal State Fullerton. So I went to the top baseball high school in Southern California. Okay. The top baseball college in Southern California. If I had just I'm set sorry. my light. I'm sorry. Does, does Cal State Fullerton have 12 national championships in baseball? Uh, in the time that Cal State Fullerton has existed as a Division One program, they have more World Series titles than USA, including a College World Series title led by Mark at, Kotze. Yes, at the expense of USA. Over I, them. I understand. <laughs> I remember when he hit two bombs and got the save. I remember wow, all that. Wow, yeah. this is Hold deep. on. I have breaking news about all this baseball talk. Wow, what an achievement. <laughs> they're, ta- they're breaking down college yeah, baseball, bro. Yeah, that's why we need to Oh, I'm sorry. This is the Daily Daps. I'm sorry. <laughs> we were talking about R.C. Cola's Twitter feed, which, and if you wouldn't have done it, I would have. And by the way, La, La Choza in Huntington Beach yeah. serves R.C. Cola. Oh, there we and go. diet right. It all. Wow. Full it all circle. comes full circle. Diet you thought this right. was random. It was not. Yeah, but by like, the way, and then that means our <laughs> alma maters will be playing too. Or no, no, wait. That's right. You went to Sanford Safety School. You didn't go to actual Stanford. Oh. Wow. So I apologize. Wow. Wow. I get confused. Wow. Wow, I really? get confused sometimes. Oh really? my God! Because you're a Stanford guy. You have to, and you know we have to close the show out. That's why you're doing this, right? <laughs> you <laughs> want to keep it respond. going? No, we can't. All right, so that's the show. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Just a hailstorm at the end from Adam Rank for MG. My God, Marcus Grant and the Whiskey from Wisconsin, Alex Gellar. I'm James Coe. We're out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.